I remember he was wearing this black top and black jeans and these black Chelsea boots. And, you know, he's an emo rock kind of guy at his core. I'm telling you, it was my outfit that made it work. I looked so good that night. Yeah, he does look cute. And then my friend was like, you both want to kiss each other. You might as well just kiss each other. And we did. And it just felt magical. That's my family. I found my family in him. And I'm blessed and lucky. That's it. I'm, 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 I'm set for life. Welcome to Equal Parts, a series of true love stories told by the couples themselves. This week, our love story starts with a familiar scene. A friend introduces you to someone they're sure you'll hit it off with, but you get bad vibes from the start, and your upturned nose only puts the other off more. Luckily for this couple, a combination of persistent friends and unavoidable proximity created space for bad feelings to dissipate and time for a true connection to form. By the way, there is a swear in this story. My name is Amir and I am one half owner of the You Don't Love Me Boys brand, I suppose. My name is Amir, I work in education and I am from Bradford, but I currently live in Manchester. We are known for the You Don't Love Me podcast and the You Don't Love Me radio show. My partner is a wonderful guy called Amir as well. Of course, he's wonderful. He has the same name as me. And we have been married for over a year now. And we've been together for six years this New Year's. On the surface, he's really tough, sort of, you know, strong-headed. And he is underneath. He's a strong-headed, confident person. And I'm really attracted to confidence. He's got a very hard exterior, but a very soft interior. Underneath all that, he's a really sweet and loving and caring individual. Everything he does really comes from the heart. He is somebody who loves deeply and he's very, very passionate. I had a really fiery temper, like really hearted, really fiery temper. And everything I went to was at 100, you know, with disagreements with friends, with arguments, everything was full on hardcore at 100. And what I've learned from him is patience. I also learned on, on the side of that, I learned a lot more about our culture because growing up, I sort of neglected my South Asian heritage just because I didn't want to be part of the religion. And for me, I didn't realize I could separate both of the things, the religion and the culture, just because of the way my family was. But he taught me I could separate them. And I had every right to, you know, fall in love with South Asian culture, love Bollywood, love all the colors of all the music. And I learned a lot of that from him as well. He's a very, very astute and very smart person. And also, he's just so funny. Like, I know that's really simple, but I need someone that, can make me laugh every day and he makes me laugh every single day. We are polar opposites in terms of our demeanour, the way we carry ourselves, the way we dress, you know, our tastes in music, some parts of even our upbringing, you know, we're, we're different people. And when we met, I was all about, you know, taking things slowly and being calm and, you know, very Downton Abbey aspirations. And he was all about rock music and going out and having fun and when the um, masks were off, I think I saw a soft side in him that wasn't necessarily loud. And he saw a goofy side in me that wasn't, you know, necessarily aspiring to look or try and come across as so polished. What my weaknesses may be, those are his strengths and vice versa. So we are able to support each other. And I think that, you know, love and all that tranquility aside, a relationship and a marriage is essentially about supporting each other and enabling each other to be the best version of, of of themselves. Say, for example, I might be doing something and I get anxious and he knows that I can get 
involved in the granular details of things too much and he knows when to pick that up with me and, and, and draw me out of that. And I think that's one of the reasons why we work, uh, we want the best for each other. I think I'm lucky to have someone like him in my life, you know, somebody who accepts me for all of my facets. So when I met Amir, I think I was um, younger. <laughs> um, I wasn't as tired. <laughs> I didn't have any back pain. I was, no, I, yeah, I was younger. It was actually when I met Amir, it was at the very start of my career. So I was very much like, oh, I've got, not very much, but I've, I finally got some money. So I was like, every weekend, let's go out and let's spend that money. Because when you first get it, it's magical and amazing. So when I first met Amir, I think I was a very confident person because I'm a very confident person. I was um, self-assured with who I was. And I was a bit wild and crazy, loud, party animal. And I think now I have all them facets still, but I think I'm just a more evolved version of that. You know, I think it's just a natural thing as you get older. You don't need to go out every single, you know, three days a week to get drunk off your face because you know what? You can't handle a hangover anymore. <laughs> the first time I met Amir, I actually didn't very much like him and the feeling was very much mutual. As destiny would have had it, I moved back to my hometown and Amir lived in the same hometown. And I actually remembered Amir from school days. He he doesn't remember me, but 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 I, I do remember him. And my friend said, oh, let's go on a night out. There's a guy called Amir. I don't know if you know him or not. We'll go on a night out together because I didn't know anyone. So we met through a mutual friend. He messaged me and he was like, okay, we're going out. And I've, you know, my friend Amir, you've got the same name. He's not drinking. So he's going to drive us to Leeds and you're going to meet him and we're going to make friends and it's going to be a cute geek and it's going to be amazing and sickening. So, you know, we decide outfits, always wear black because, you know, I try color now. I'm pushing myself, you know, and I was getting my friend to choose an outfit. It was an okay outfit. This is very important to the later story, trust me. I remember he was wearing this black top and black jeans and these black Chelsea boots. And, you know, he's an emo rock kind of guy at his core. So, you know, he revels in all things black and what have you. And then I remember I pulled up in his car and I got in. And it was, oh, it was a bit awkward at first because it's like, oh, I don't know this person and I haven't been drinking yet. And he's not drinking. So uh, it's a bit uncomfortable and awkward. And he started talking. And I was like, oh, my God, he's so posh. <laughs> I was like, who is he? How is he from this town? You know, we both come from a Yorkshire town, but I, I don't have much of a Yorkshire accent. He has much more of a Yorkshire accent. And he said, oh my God, you sound so posh. Oh my God, you sound so posh. And I was like, okay, great, thanks. You know, and he, I think he thought I was a little bit snobby and, you know, a little bit up my own ass, so to speak. And that's not entirely untrue. And then we pulled up at Bargain booze, and me and my friend got some alcohol for her. <laughs> for the car journey and I could see his little eyes in the front rolling like who do these queens think they are like oh they just no they're just trash and I was like who the fuck do you think you are you're posh pompous but I was like nope he's my ride he's my ride there we got to Leeds and you know for once it was a really really quiet night in, in the place where we went but I was living because it means I got to control the DJ so I was living my best life. I was dancing on like the pool cage, whatever it is. Literally bouncing off the walls. You know, doing all my dance moves, living. Upside down and all this jazz. And I was like, okay. Amra was just sort of like stood in the corner with his like Diet Coke. Like, oh, okay, this isn't for me. He probably thought I was really loud and forthright and like 
too much. I said to my friend, I was like, I don't think he's the type of person I want to hang out with. So like, can we not do a night out together, please? And my friend was like, okay, fine, whatever. And then as destiny would have it, we ended up on another night out together. And my best friend at the time was out with me. And he said, oh, Amir looks really fit, doesn't he? I'm telling you it was my outfit that made it work. I looked so good that night. Amir was wearing this mesh jumper. Go figure, right? November time, November, December. And I was like, yeah, he does look cute. It's really strange because it really happened organically and naturally and nothing was forced. And we just started hitting it off and we started flirting a little bit. And then it just grew from there. Started spending time with each other and we'd go on a night out and you know, talk till three, four in the morning and we'd park the car up by this nature reserve and talk about music and politics and all sorts. Getting to learn a lot about each other. Just small stuff like, I remember being in the car and like, I was like, okay, it's this time now he listens to the music I like. Pressing the button, all the screaming music comes out and he was fine. And then I remember we went on a subsequent night out and my friend was like, you'd both want to kiss each other. You might as well just kiss each other. And we did and it just felt magical. He took me on our first date to um, a restaurant in Leeds called Mumtaz. Really good South Asian food. And that was a really lovely, lovely, lovely first date. It's sort of a rare story within the gay community sometimes. Because there was never a hookup. It was a really organic relationship. We just carried on spending more and more time with each other. And on New Year's Eve, we were in Leeds. And it was officially <laughs> such a gay story. But we... We went to one drag queen show bar called Viaduct and we skipped along to another bar called Fiber. If I remember rightfully so, between Viaduct and drag show bar and Fiber, like crossing the road, we had like a conversation. Amir was saying, I don't want to be with anyone else. And I said, well, I don't want to be with anyone else either. And he was like, well, why don't you just say that it's official? And I was like, oh, well, is that what it means to be official that you don't want to be with anyone else? In that case, fine. Yeah, we're together. We made it official on on New Year's? Yeah, sure, fine. We're together. (laughs) And then we brought the New Year in as a couple. And we fell in love. And then that summer, we went on our first holiday to Budapest, which is where he lived previously for about a year. And then we moved in together after about a year. And then I was like, I'm ready to get proposed to. I knew knew he was the one within like six weeks. I was like, yep, here's the one. I just knew it. It's really strange, right? And I always wonder if other couples have this. I feel like we have some sort of telepathy, some kind of sync. We really, really, really know what each other's thinking and feeling. It is like another level. I don't know what it is, but I think we're just meant to be. I genuinely think that's what it is. About one and a half years in, he proposed, and we enjoyed that engagement for a while, and then we got married. Really, really small wedding, intimate wedding with our nearest and dearest. So unfortunately, my family were not part of my wedding and, and, and they haven't been part of my journey for a number of years now due to their cultural and religious views. And that has been difficult for me in the past. And it's something that I've overcome. I'm, I'm sad to say, but at the same time, grateful to say that I'm not the only one. There are others like me and I have connected with people who do share a similar story to myself. And are able to support each other and and create our own happy gay family. That's been very, very important to me. As gay people, we do get to choose our families. And with myself, unfortunately, as a result of me being gay, my family have disowned me and I don't have a relationship with them at this moment in time. However, what I would say is, you know, one can only respect other people's opinions, but stay true to themselves, I think, is the best course of action. and, And that's what I've done. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the people who surround me because I thrive in an environment where I'm surrounded by people who celebrate me rather than discriminate. And I think I'm 
on my way to achieving that. And, you know, if that means that my family, my biological family rather, won't be part of that journey, then, you know, that's, that's just the way my life is. When I was younger, about 18, I started purposely distancing myself from my relatives and extended family for many reasons. Um, they were toxic people. Put my sexuality aside, they were the toxic people. They were not, it wasn't a safe environment from the extended family at all. And they were horrible, horrible people. I think some people struggle with splitting that because like, oh, it's family, it's okay. I'm like, family don't do this. So I distanced myself. But I think in the back of my mind, I knew for the fact that we're not going to accept me for being gay anyway. Because it's always been spoken about if anyone's gay in our family, you know, in the extended family, they're out on the streets. It's not happening. So I managed to assimilate that very, very fast. And I was like, okay, cool. It's not going to work. And regardless of my sexuality, I don't want to be around people that are like that. But I'm very, very, very fortunate to have a great relationship with my mum. I'm very lucky. And she's very supportive and she absolutely loves it. I absolutely adores him. So um, we're, we're very blessed to have her in our, in our lives. So I'm very happy about that. Manchester is a wonderful city and I'm really, really glad that me and Amir have moved here. One of the main reasons why we moved here was because we were drawn to a more cosmopolitan environment and we wanted to live somewhere that's a little bit more open, open-minded and a lot more sort of accepting. And I think there's many, many places like that in England now, uh, but Manchester is just such a great edgy city. And I think here we really can feel like we are surrounded by our gay family. And, you know, there's a wonderful uh, drag queen who's who is family to us called Val Qaeda. She's been instrumental in helping us, be, you know, be settled here. And she's one of Manchester's premier drag queens that I, I will forever be grateful for in terms of, you know, not necessarily rescuing us from, from where we were before. We had a great time where we lived before as well, but really helping us see more people like us and, and, and really supporting uh, us, you know, that, that really has meant a lot to us. And, you know, there's, there's been drag queens who've, you know, sent us messages saying, and, and you know, gay people saying, you know, welcome home. And, and we do really feel at home here. We were living in, you know, a, a small town near a difficult city to live. And the way life went, we ended up there. That's how it is, you know. But with lockdown, we learned a lot. So what would usually happen outside of lockdown in normal life, I call it now, and we went on like five, six holidays a year. We were out in different cities every other weekend. So we could, outside of work, we could sort of escape our reality so to speak, of what was going on around us and not being able to live our truth. When lockdown came, we couldn't go anywhere. So you are forced with your reality. And we're smart thinkers and we're quick thinkers thinking, uh-uh, this ain't for us, we're moving. I can't be old and look back in regret ever. So I look back at our last chapter, amazing, like, that was an amazing chapter. We had successful careers there. We built our relationship there. We got married, we came out, we did so many amazing things. Now it's time for a new chapter where we are going to be surrounded by our gay family in Manchester and it's going to be an incredible chapter. And then I'm excited for the next chapter after, after that, because who knows where life's going to take us. But I know we're both open to anything. I think for me and Amir, there is a huge unknown in terms of what the future for us will look like. I think there is an excitement around the unknown. I think right now we really want to enjoy our time in Manchester uh, reach out to any um, queer people, particularly queer people of colour who resonate with our stories and, and would like to be part of a larger, wider community, really, regardless of sort of race, religion, creed. You know, we, we sort of want to promote queer safe spaces and, and very much be part of that. And I think, you know, wherever that leads us, we'd be happy to follow. And I also play an alter ego called Lady Bushra, which I won't talk too much about, but I, you know, I'm really looking forward to taking her on the 
Manchester gay strip and, and, and in Manchester gay village and see what we do with it and have a one woman show. So uh, I'm excited for that as well. Love and falling in love is amazing. Love between friends and family and even pets, anything is amazing. Love is incredible. And like, I've been in situations where people are like, oh, love, disgusting. I'm like, no, love is an amazing thing. It's the thing that's going to push and keep the world going. Go and share love and people to give you it back. Don't waste your breath. It's not worth it. Coronavirus has taught you anything. Why are you wasting your breath on these arguments and on these people when you can talk to someone that will celebrate everything you do and you can celebrate them, you can uplift each other. And I also call myself fortunate. And it's really weird because like when people with me and I realize sometimes, like, oh, family situations and this and that. And yet life's hard for everyone. Everyone's got difficulties. But my God, I'm like fortunate to have found such an incredible human and such an incredible person and a partner and a husband and someone so understanding and caring and like that's my family i found my family in him and i'm blessed and lucky that's it i'm set for life you know one of the mottos of gay marriage was was that love wins and i think after getting married i realized that when you do get married it love does really win and it does conquer all because you know homophobia attacks condemnation whatever doesn't matter because guess what you reached your end goal you were together and you got a legal stamp on it and it's recognized by the state that you pay taxes in like you can't you can't re- get more of a sort of validation than that and your love for each other is what brought you there equal parts is produced by me maria passingham Amit and Amit, thank you both so much i can't wait to party with you in manchester if you'd like to keep up with Amir and Amit. You can follow them on Twitter and Instagram. Just look for You Don't Love Me Boys. And listen to their podcast, where they explore topics like representation, race and sexuality from a gay South Asian perspective. Search for You Don't Love Me on Apple or Spotify and subscribe now. Of course, there's links to all of these in the show notes for this episode. Audio Network provides the music for equal parts. And this week's artwork comes from Danielle Casimiro, It's a joyful, colourful, patternful piece. Go to equalpartspodcast.co.uk to see it or search hashtag equalpartspodcast. If you found yourself smiling while listening to this episode, please share the joy. It's really helpful if you rate and review Equal Parts on Apple Podcasts or share the link on social media. Thank you so much. Next week, when soccer breaks the silence. So I walked in and they actually had this beer pong table set up basically right in front of the door. So I like went in the door and almost hit them all, but they actually all stopped for a second, went around the room and introduced themselves. So I knew which one was JJ. I remember it took me a little bit to actually go say hi. (laughs) We went to the first bar and JJ didn't talk to me at all. (laughs) And we ended up walking to a different bar. And when we got to the bar, there was a huge projector screen and there was a soccer game on TV. Hey, you want to join my fantasy premier league? Super romantic. (laughs) I think it kind of caught her off guard, but to today, I don't even know if she really knew what I was talking about at the time, but she was like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to play fantasy premier league. That sounds fantastic.